Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. No, it definitely was a great show. And for the listeners, this is Sarah Hershorn. Is that how you say your name? Hershorn? Hershorn. 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 Yeah, like if a heart had a horn. Hershorn. Oh, okay, perfect. Um... Names are hard for me, but (laughs) thank you so much for doing the podcast. I thought it'd be fun to have you on because yesterday, obviously you are having a baby, your first baby. Yeah. Yeah. First baby. Yeah. And then when we were talking yesterday, I was like, oh my God, how does it feel to grow a baby? And that's like something that I think about a lot because like I'm pushing 32 and not that I know that's still young, but it's still like in the relative, what, maybe like six to eight years, maybe before. Yeah. Yeah. That's 32, I think, is when I really was like, oh, I I always thought I, I didn't want kids, never wanted them. And then I turned 30 and everyone was like, you're going to change your mind because you're 30 now. And I was like, nope, still have it. And then 32, I was like, oh, no, I did change my mind. <laughs> they were right. <laughs> I was the exact same. I've kind of never really wanted kids, not like since I moved to America, so not in, let's say, the last so I've been here seven years and it's only in the last year that I'm really thinking about it. But it's also the first time I've been in like a healthy relationship and I've gone to therapy. So I've dealt with any like family issues, <laughs> which is so clutch. I'm so glad I did wait, even though there was never really a risk of me doing it earlier because I thought I didn't want kids. But I like that's fully why. I was like, oh, no, maybe I could do this is because, yeah, I was in therapy. My husband was in therapy. Like we sorted a lot out. Um, And yeah, it's like, I don't know. I feel like you should have to take a test to have a kid. Absolutely. But if if you had to take a test, I wouldn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. Absolutely not. Yeah, fully. That's true. Yeah. And like, I'm glad I exist, but also, yeah, I wish not even maybe, yeah, I wish they would take a test. Okay. So when they find out you're pregnant and you're, they have the test, the husband and the mother, like a psychiatric evaluation, and then they could be like, oh, you need pills or, oh, you need therapy. And you know, then that way, like they have to do that as they're having a kid. There's like a government follow-up that dictatorship I can get on board with. A hundred percent. No, if I was, if I could be, if I could rule with an iron fist, that would be. That would definitely be my thing. Yeah, um, if you could, um, I'm just going to tie up my hair while we're doing this. If you could rule with an iron fist, it's like, well, I'd be a good ruler. Okay. <laughs> right. I would do it right. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I do. I have any qualifications? No. Uh, do I really understand most of what's going on in the world? Absolutely not. But I would could do it. I don't know. 
I need to yeah. uh, cut my hair. It's so heavy. It's you like do. giving me like headaches. You know, I tried to tie it up. Oh, there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to hurt for the whole podcast. But yeah, no. It feels so good when you take your hair down at the end of the day and you're like, oh, that's what that was. It's wild. It's like, I think I'm like going to make give myself a receding hairline more of a one than I already have. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, uh, if I as soon as I get pregnant, I'm chopping my hair off. I'm like, okay, it's done now. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I've had so many hair lengths and hair things that I'm, I'm into the long hair for now, but who knows? I don't know. Maybe the kid will pull on it enough that I'll be like, Nope, fuck it. Cut it off. And so this is, so this is your, was there any, uh, things that you like, did you know you were going to like, this was a plan. You're like, okay, I'm going to get pregnant. It was a plan. It totally was a plan. We we've been talking about it for a long time. I I'm not 32 anymore. I'm older than that. So like we've, we've had, we've had some time to talk about it, but we did get pregnant the first try, okay. which I, I just didn't think we would. Cause also I've had one pregnancy scare in what almost 20 years of fucking. And I'm not that smart. Like I'm not smart enough that I've always been careful. Like, so I was like, it's going to be hard. Like something it's going to take a while for sure. Also, I think we put so much pressure and we have so much like societal hangups around the age 35, which I haven't hit yet, but like, we're like, oh, if you're close to 35, it's going to be hard. Nope. Knocked up immediately. Uh, that's, a, that's so funny. Cause I always feel like that too, that I feel like, oh, maybe I'm not s- super fertile because I had some risks when I would have been my most fertile, you know, younger first sexual experiences mm-hmm. and yeah, nothing. So yeah. that is good to hear. <laughs> yeah. But also the 35 age, the reason that we even have that in our heads at all, like medically, culturally is based on a 600 year old study of French farmers. That doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's so arbitrary. It really is. And not that your fertility doesn't go down as you get older, not that there aren't like issues, but the 35 specific age is so outdated and so random and so old. So it's really not like, it's not a cutoff point at all, but it was a plan. And it's weird. Cause I, I, I did start to think around 32. Like, I think maybe I really do want kids. And it was because I, I was like, I think I might regret it if I don't. And I'd always known what it looked, what it looked like to have a kid and regret it. There's a lot of women in my family that I think would never say it, but regret having kids. Um, I don't want to say including my mom, but like, she did have a hysterectomy immediately after I was born. She was like, absolutely not. Never doing that again. Um, So I think, yeah, I just, I knew what that looked like. And I didn't know what it looked like to like regret not having kids because, you know, I just didn't have that model. And then I was like, okay, I had to like work through like, okay, I think for me personally, I would regret not having them. I also think it's the first generation of women who really have had a choice. I think for a lot of women, maybe even just to 15 years ago, like who are just 15 years older than us. Um, yeah. It was kind of what was done. It was always yeah. like you get married and have kids. So yeah, it's like the first really time. So I'm sure a lot of women who had kids regretted it just because they didn't really have the choice. And, yeah. Yeah. And even if they would do it again, that doesn't mean that they still don't regret sort of doing it for the wrong reasons and at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure oh, that my mom, 
would have me again, but I think she would want to, or she would have kids again, but I think she would just want to do it real. I don't know if she'd want to get knocked up by her roommate and then marry him. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. And, and as well, I'm probably in a time now where men are take they're stepping up to the plate more as well so it's easier like I know if I stay with my boyfriend and we which I obviously hope we do and Absolutely. we have a kid he's um you know he's great he's not like mm. uh like patriarch what's that patriarchal or whatever yeah, yeah yeah he's very so he'd be like I know for a fact probably doing like 70 percent of the work <laughs> yeah so. yeah it's, I don't know. It is, it's funny. My husband and I have come so far in like doing, like being equal in labor, but it is still so hard to like measure and gauge, like, because there's still so much expectation. Like I, I still do shitty things where like, I will clean something that he doesn't clean and then I'll like resent him for it. And it's like, okay, well, that's not him. That's not his fault. You can't blame him for like, that's all within me. And like, I put so much pressure on myself where I'm like, oh, the apartment has to be clean all the time. And it's like that, that pressure isn't coming from him. That pressure is coming from like what I was raised with. It's, it's such a process to like get to an equal foothold. Even now, like, I think we're, we're so like, oh, it's 2022. I almost said 2020. Um, <laughs> like it's 2022. Everything's equal now, but there's, it still has a foothold, man. Like that stuff is still like worms in our brain where we Absolutely. just sort of assume that the moms are going to do everything. I like as well how you said that from your perspective of your, it's like trained in your brain to be like, I'm the woman I do this and then you're like oh but wait why did I do that and so being annoyed um and yeah. as well, for a lot of men it takes a relearning of like oh the women the woman shouldn't be expected you know to do certain things um so I do right. think yeah I think yeah it's it's like passed on what's that word like just generational yeah I don't know if that counts as generational trauma. Like that's a big word. Like people throw the word trauma around Gener- real fast and loose. Generational roles or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like, I don't know when my husband and I started like, you know, working on our relation, we both had like been working on ourselves separately, but then that also, we were like working on ways to apply that to our relationship. I've been in therapy for longer than he has. And so I was like, he's just going to have to do so much work. And then I was like, wait, what do you mean? I do too. Like I have to, no, he just has to, cl- it, he just has to clean more. Right. That's it. And then it's like, no bitch, you gotta, like, you have to work on yourself. You have to work. On, and I was like, oh, that's, that sucks. <laughs> that's, that's work. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. And, and as well, like learning to like ask for what you need as well. And I think like, especially it, my I remember one time uh someone gave out about someone leaving the toilet seat up I can't remember Mm -hmm. what the situation was but this stuck with me what she said she was like I never understood why women would get so mad about that because it's like well we need it down but they need it up and it's like we could just we can just put it up or put it down like we don't need it like and that is like a it's a funny thing where you'll see on tiktoks and like oh it leaves the toilet seat up and it's like yeah put it down I'm not well yeah it's not like I did fall into the toilet one night though and then I was like oh okay I do see that I was like that is annoying um I did fall into the toilet seat as well but (laughs) I do remember now if like Leland leaves it up not to be like hey you know you're you know or like not to make it into a big deal if that yeah makes sense. yeah no I, I don't know it also it helps that we have cats one of whom loves to sit and stare into the toilet bowl for 
up to eight hours a day. There's something wrong with him. Like he's the weirdest <sighs> cat. And so we sort of have to keep it close because otherwise he will just sit there like with his paw in the water and it's gross. <laughs> and then come up and paw your face. Like, I love yes. you. <laughs> like, I love you. And you're like, you're so weird. You're so hours. He will spend hours just staring into the toilet bowl. It's so weird. I don't know if that's a thing. I've never seen another cat do that, but maybe, maybe it's a cat thing. I don't know. But what, so how did it feel having like a, 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 a person growing in you? Does it really feel like, I know, I know like 50% of the population do it, but I'm just like so amazed by it. I just think. I know it's so weird. It's like this, it's the most like special, unique, wonderful, and also totally universal. And like, shared experience ever I I read in a book somewhere uh one of the books I was reading while pregnant that pregnancy connects you to so many people including like your past and future selves in all these really weird ways and that is very much true it feels like it feels like you're connected to this just bigger thing like and all of your experiences that feel so weird like my first trimester was so weird and so rough because you can't tell people, you don't tell people that you're pregnant. So you're just walking around being like, I got a nosebleed this morning because a guy came in me. You just like have to yeah. like process that information all by yourself. <laughs> and you're like, why? Like, why would it cause nosebleeds? That doesn't make any sense to me. And like, yeah, it, like nosebleeds, headaches, my ears hurt. Um, and it's just all these weird symptoms and you're like, and then you, you find any sort of community or anyone who's done it before and you talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, that happens. And you're like, and we're just cool. With it. We yeah, it's just like walk around. And as well, it seems to be that people don't really know the symptoms before. Like I did not know nosebleeds was a, I, I didn't only found out recently that women like shite while they ha- give birth, which is totally fine. And that totally makes sense. Yeah. And just, but the fact that, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably more popular or more common than not, but all of these things we should know as women, again, back to the class of, uh, if you're going to have a baby, you should go through these. Also for women, we should have like a separate class for like, or maybe men too. I just, I just don't really understand it all. Yeah. It's just so weird. And it is, although at the same time, part of me was like, why did no one tell me this? But then also there's just so much to tell that like, I never even thought to look into it until I was pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, and there's, everyone talks about the morning sickness, I think, because that's one that you kind of would struggle to hide more. Like if you're just throwing up, like I just (laughs) threw up on the street, didn't even break stride, just kept walking. Like, no, I hate vomiting. That's my biggest I do too. I have a, I have a wicked thing about it. And pregnancy has broken me of that. I really, (laughs) I'm like, okay, it's fine. It happened because it's different. It's different than any other vomit you'll ever do in your life. (laughs) That sounds so weird. Why does the baby, why does the baby make you vomit? They actually don't know. They don't know. They think it's, they think it's hormones, but most of morning sickness isn't vomiting and it isn't that type of not it's it's like it most of morning sickness is you know when you don't eat and your stomach starts to cramp yeah that happens 10 times more when you're pregnant so it's like you just have to eat every hour and a half oh my god um I still do I still have to eat every hour and a half and you can't really eat more than like a fist's worth of food so it's just like like small feedings multiple times yeah It's basically like you're hypoglycemic and almost diabetic, which you are. Your body is acting like it's it's pre-diabetic or like it it acts like that. Um, 
which is separate from gestational diabetes, which is also a thing, but like that's separate. Um, how many months pregnant are you now? Six. Six. Wow. You only have two months and then you're going to have a child. Well, no, there's four more months Oh, because they count it weird. This is another thing that I didn't know. They count it from your last period. They don't count it from when you actually got knocked up. So it's actually babies take 10 months to grow. Yeah. Babies take 10 months. Yeah. It's a 40 weeks usually. Um, I mean, people do it sometimes go into labor earlier than that, but um, yeah, it's 40 weeks. So I'm, I'm not in, I'm still in my second trimester. I'll be in my, you enter your third trimester at almost at seven months, I think. Wow. That's so exciting. And you know, the sex of the baby. I do. It's a girl. And when, when could they tell you it was a girl? So early, um, with a blood test. Wow. And it was so weird. Cause I didn't cry when I found out I was pregnant at all. Like I was very emotional and very excited and like going through it, but I didn't cry. Um, which also could have been the hormones cause I'm not a big crier. Uh, and I have been in the last like couple months. <laughs> um, but, and then I found out and it was a girl and I just like, I, it was so much more real. Um, and I just was like crying. <laughs> um, yeah. And also I always thought people were lying when they were like, I don't care as long as it's healthy. And I was like, okay, but you do like, you care. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well as women, I don't know. Cause I'm really close with my sisters. My brothers are great and stuff, but also now they're like teens and we don't really talk. And I talk so much more with my sisters about stuff. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I think I would probably want a girl as well. I thought I would, but then in the moment I really didn't care. I was like, I don't up, uh, which also partially could be because my husband was like a very quiet, very sweet, like boy. Um, just based on like pictures and stories, I was like, okay, if I was going to have a boy, I could handle him. Yes. <laughs> I could handle yes, a same, little. Yeah. Same with my boyfriend as well. He, he, yeah. Yeah. He looked like he like, was very easygoing. So are yeah. my brothers as well. But I, there is something I really like about how with my sisters in their teenage years, but then that might be different when you're the mother. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Wait, how many siblings do you have? I'm sorry. Everyone who listens probably already knows this. But... No, there's uh, five of us all together. Wow. Yeah. All yeah. same mom, same dad. Um, all four of them, all same mom. I'm the only one with a different mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't speak to, and the listeners know this. I don't speak to my mother, but my step yeah. is amazing. She's the best. Oh, that's great. That's really yeah. good. Step parents are hard or can be hard. It's a hard role. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard for both. And I think we're really lucky because yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I feel like with my dad, like I saw a lot when I was small of what he went through. So I never really had much uh resentment or anything for him like getting a divorce or yeah yeah I don't know I kind of just got it and then when I met my stepmother she was really nice and he seemed really happy and she did like when she first met me she said something like oh I hope I'm not gonna be like I hope you don't think I'll be like the evil step queen type of thing and I was only set six or seven but she (laughs) she said that I was like ah that's just tv (laughs) ah that's so mature that's so sweet yeah, yeah, no. So, and it was like nice to have their house and see like a different, you know, like healthy, what a healthy relationship is. And I think I yeah. model like a lot of my behavior in my relationship off off of them. So it's really good. I'm really lucky. And yeah. like they would say, even they're not perfect, but like I think they're pretty, you know, they're they have a, yeah. a, a really healthy relationship. That's so good. That's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
No, I mean, I think it is a hard role. It's a hard role to step into. It's also a hard relation. Like it's a complicated relationship. I think it probably helps that, you know, you have these siblings now that you're really close to. Yeah. Um, I, I'm an only child. And um, so like after my mom divorced my stepdad, there just wasn't a lot like logistically um, mm. holding us together. We also had a really complicated relationship. So it was like, um, yeah, it was, it just sort of was, too hard to kind of hold together and I think it was for the best that it didn't but um but I just I always appreciate like good step parents you know I'm like yeah like that's really yeah no I'm really lucky if anything happened with my dad and my stepmom which it won't but I would Mm -hmm. still call her once a week I wouldn't there'd be no reason yeah um, to not stay in contact with her but it might be easier too. like I don't know what happened with you and your stepdad um well, I was going to say maybe because you're, it might've been e- easier for my stepmom because I was a girl, but actually I don't mm. know because then you hear, or you see like videos of people being like, Oh my, you know, this is my stepdad, but he's been like my dad. Yeah. So I guess it really depends on the person and how much they're like willing, like with my stepmom, she was never, you know, she's very accepting and stuff like that yeah. and made an effort. So yeah, I kind of yeah. think it's on the adults part as well. Yeah. You kind of come into that relationship for uh, sure. But she, yeah, it sounds like she also, you know, really wanted to be a mom and was like creating a family. And so yes. that's like, you guys are a unit, which I think is really good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Like I, I'm, my relationship with my parents is very, it's not different now that I'm pregnant. It's the same relationship, but there's so much weird pressure that I put on myself where I'm like, Oh, I have to fix my relationship with my mom or my daughter won't like me. And I'm like, that's a weird superstition. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Also, you know, I'm, I have no, I'll have people sometimes cause they just don't know or yeah. understand what went on with me and my mother. And what's really frustrating is people will very easily say like, you're not going to feel guilty if she dies and you don't have a relationship or what about when you have a kid? And it's so quick for them to say that instead of saying to my mother, why don't you get mental health or like help? Or why don't yeah. you like everybody who was involved in like what went on never like looked at her and said, actually, our focus should go into getting her like the help she needs or, you know, or yeah. even suggesting it, let's say. So but for me, when I have a kid, I'm never I never want my relationship with my uh, mother to be. Uh, like it's never it would never be healthy unless she got mental help and firstly she's not not making an effort she's never once reached out to me let's say if it's not via her family member and secondly um it it wouldn't be a healthy relationship for my kid to see so I'll never have regret in that regard if that makes sense so I think for you too whatever yeah yeah trying do whatever is best for you because that will yeah you want to yeah you want um don't ever feel guilty just because you're having a kid and you're like, Oh, I want our relationship to be perfect. Cause it's just, it's not I know, because then, yeah, it's also, it is just that connection thing where I'm like, Oh man, like she went through this, you know, like this happened to her. Um, and here are like similarities and differences and things that I want to do differently, which, um, and then coming to a place of like, Oh, I do want to do things very differently than she did. But I also am in such a different situation than she is that it just like, you know, the things that applied to her don't apply to me. And, Um, you know, I always say that like, yes, my relationship with my parents is complicated, but I do think at the end of the day, they did the best they could with the cards they were dealt, which I think is not true for a lot of people. And I think was not true for their parents. Like people do get weirdly judgmental when you don't speak to your parents. I know my mom didn't speak to her mom for a really long time. 
because her mom wasn't making an effort, hadn't, you know, done anything to make the relationship reciprocal or even healthy or like Mm. good at all. And my mom had a lot of guilt about that. And it's like, you know, that it wouldn't, yeah, she had, my mom had a lot going on. She did, there wasn't room in her life for, you know, what my grandmother needed and what my grandmother yeah. brought to the table. And you understand uh, that as well, which is great. Yeah. Well, my grandma, yeah, my grandmother was a lot. Her name was Morningstar. She sold a, and did a lot of acid, um, which normally I think makes people cool. But <laughs> I mean, but as know. parents, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Who was it? Yeah. And I think yeah. anybody who criticizes it, it's usually because it's so it's like, oh, that's so nice that that's so out of your understanding that your relationship with your parents is so great. Or they might be like, well, you know, my dad didn't come to a soccer game. And I'm like, yeah, it's obviously not because of that. Like, you just don't understand that. Yeah. That's fine. I don't understand hard al- algebra. I don't even say algebra, but I don't go going, <laughs> oh, you should do algebra. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, It's OK yeah. to not understand other people's situations, but people like my my dad always says, uh, and it's like an old joke, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, everybody has one and you should really only share it if people are into it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I'll tell them that. I'm going to lean my mic. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, yeah, parents, parents are hard. I don't know. And uh, yeah, I do think I like, I, you know, a lot of my friends and a lot of people in my, in my family, my family's very weird. Everyone in some ways, my family's very advanced because everyone has been getting divorces for generations. Like my grandmother was married. Well, my grandmother was married three times officially. And then she had two like quote unquote marriages that were like ayahuasca bonding ceremonies, you know, like where it's like, okay, show me the paperwork, but they called each other husband and wife. Um, and then my grandfather was married, I think five, four, four times and engaged one other time. And then my great grandparents were also divorced. Like, so yeah, we're, it, there's a lot of like fractions and weirdness and no one knows who their dad is. Um, everyone finds out who their dad is when they're like 11. It's like a weird family tradition. Um, my mom did, my grandmother did, uh, my cousins all did. Um, and I remember I was talking with my mom, I was like 30 and I was like, Hey mom, isn't it great that we like avoided that weird Bennett family curse? Like I always knew who my dad was and there was never any doubt. Cause I looked just like him when I was a little kid, like exactly. And she was like, yeah, I was so relieved when you didn't come out with red hair. Cause that would have been a different story. And I was like, mom, oh, no! no, it was supposed to be you and me, like you and me breaking <laughs> family curses I was like yeah I wasn't sure it could have been another guy's I was like oh and is I'm your so... is your father still around or yeah he's around yeah and you um, have, you have a good relationship with him yeah we have a pretty good relationship um yeah I think we don't talk as much as he would like but yeah it's pretty good um yeah. you know he putters around <laughs> And you, yeah. you are breaking tradition though, because you definitely a know who the father is, and we, yep. you guys have been together for ten years, right? We've been married for eight, and then together for even longer. Yeah. Um, are, are you monogamous? We are. Yeah, we've had we've opened up for brief periods, um, one of which got shut right up by COVID. Uh, 
but um, yeah, but we are for the most part monogamous. We're monogamish. Like now it, we're fully monogamous, but. How yeah. did it feel opening it up though? Were you like, I know I would feel like insecure, or jealous. How did you deal with those sort of feelings? Honestly, I have never really experienced romantic jealousy until I was pregnant. And I don't know if it's a hormonal thing or like, uh, like, uh, just like a trying to keep my like clan together or what I've, I, I've honestly, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that my family's so weird or that like, I don't know, cause maybe cause we'd been together for so long. I don't know where it came from, but I'd never experienced romantic jealousy. So I didn't mind it was definitely something I think if you're going to open a relationship you should do it when the relationship is in a really good place and you're feeling really secure because otherwise it's just going to suck for everyone um so we would do that like when we were the, for the short period we were open if ever either of us was just like feeling some type of way and we you know needed we needed that person to be there we like we needed each other in some way that we felt like we weren't getting we would you know close it up and we wouldn't see other people um so it's just it's like I think open relationships are great I think polyamory is great it's so much work and it's so much talking and it's so much like scheduling that I just think people should be prepared for that you know like um and uh yeah. And then, you know, and then it was COVID and we were just together all the time. And it, and I think that was really make or break for a lot of couples. And it really, you know, we'd been together for so long. I don't want to say it made us because we were already us, like we were already together, but it really, um, I don't know, really solidified uh, and made us feel like even closer than we'd ever been. So, um, so that's actually been really nice. Uh I, th- I know some people struggle, like if they are open and they close the relationship, it can be really hard because you're, it's an adjustment, but for us, it was, it was really nice. Yeah. Um, um, I also think as well, if you are, uh, you know, Tom Cassidy was on last week and we talked about how we couldn't do open relationships, but I think I've been thinking about it since last week. And I think it's like, you have to have a high sex drive as well. So never mind the fact that I would feel like, um, yeah, I would definitely feel jealous. Uh, yeah. and I would feel like worried or whatever. Um, uh, but it's more as well. I just don't have that high of a sex drive to be yeah. anybody else, my body by my partner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, I think the other thing with open relationships is a lot of times like in traditional heterosexual relationship, it's the man who wants them. And is like, I want this because I have a high sex drive. And I think that this will help me meet that. And then they open up the relationship and it's much easier for women to get laid. (laughs) And so the men often then find themselves like having to deal with the fact that, you know, they thought this was what they wanted. They thought this would meet their needs. They thought that, you know, they did have a higher sex drive, but then they find that like just the work to reward payoff is a little skewed and they're like, wait, now I'm just spending all this time trying to get laid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's exhausting. It's exhausting. I know. And I think also, I don't know. I've known my husband, I've known my husband since I was 11. We met in middle school. Um, We didn't date right away. Obviously we were friends for a long time, but so I think that was also a factor because it was just a really solid foundation and base to always come back to. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was also why like I've known him for so long. I could be really honest and just be like, look, I 
you know, I'm feeling really gay right now and I would love to have sex with a woman. <laughs> and he'd be like, hell yeah, get on, get on out there. Uh, or like, I just, I want to have, I want to like have a wide experience, a, a wide a b- birth of experiences under my belt. Like I want to, you know, get out there and be a little freak. And he was like, heck yeah. Um, hey, that's great. And it's great. You yeah. can communicate that. And it's like, you know, there's no cheating or sneaking around when, so the first sexual experience you had with a woman was while you were in a relationship. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. It was in college as always. <laughs> it is crazy to me that it was in college though. Cause I grew up where I grew up is such a gay friendly area. It's like kind of known um, in the gay community. I grew up near Northampton, Massachusetts. So it is crazy for me that it wasn't until I left that I was with a woman because it's just like, they were around, you know, there were gay women around me and I just never, I don't know. I never put it together (laughs) until I went to college. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and then, and that's, that was when I was like, oh, I think, you know, I couldn't like figure it out. I was like, am I gay? I don't think I'm gay. Cause I still like having sex with men. But then I would, I was like with a woman and I was like, Oh no, I definitely am gay. Like, cause that was great. And it actually wasn't until I was on top model. And I remember this so clearly Jenna, I was talking to Jenna Doucette, who was on my cycle. And she was like, yeah, I'm bisexual. I've been with men and I've been with women. And obviously I'd heard the term bisexual before. Obviously I like knew it was a thing. But for some reason, it had just never clicked. And so I was like trying to be really chill because they were filming us. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, cool. Do you want to you want to just like um, say everything that there is about that? Like, can you just talk about that for like a while? Can you just like explain that to me? A lot. And she was just like, all right, I don't know. And I was like, oh, my God, that's me. Like, I love that. I think as well for a lot, like our age group anyway, like I remember growing up, people would be like, you're either straight or you're gay and bisexual people are either are usually gay. And so there was like, I think the term is getting a much more uh, recognition than it did before. Yeah. Bi or pansexual or whatever. I don't know. The labels are weird. Like, yeah, because I don't know. I have a whole bit about this, but I just the... Yeah, I can't tell the difference between bi and pansexual. Like I know there, I, I I get the intellectually, I get the distinctions, but it feels like they're the same thing. Yeah, I think I, if I'm right, I think it's just the difference is that it's to it's just an updated version of bisexual to include all the genders, I guess, because maybe yeah. some people are bisexual, are like oh, I just fancy men or women, and then this includes people who maybe I don't don't identify as that or are trans. Yeah. I think so, but someone's probably going to yeah. message me and be like, or, or actually, actually. Ne- never mind, is it it- intelligence? Am I using the wrong term? Because now I'm thinking, is Pan that you're attracted to intelligence regarding? No, that's, um, wait, that's, uh, oh, I forget. I can't remember what that is because the first time I heard it, it made me really mad. Um, <laughs> oh, no, that is, that is a thing, but it's not pansexual. No, I can't believe I can't remember what that is now. Mm. Anyways, yeah. Um, I remember like a I I don't want to say who but like an older an older Irish farmer type person we were all out and they were like oh and they said that word you know that like oh I'm attracted to intelligence you know and they were like yeah my my wife is really intelligent (laughs) and I had to be like no that means that you'd also be like attracted to men who and he was like (laughs) 
what? No, I thought that just means I like really intelligent women. <laughs> I was like, how many people have you been telling? And I can't remember. You're like, so your wife is not that then is what I'm hearing. Your wife loves a himbo is what I'm getting from that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And he thought he was being like so woke, this like older oh, farmer guy. <laughs> that is a thing though, but now I can't remember. But yeah, but also love a himbo. Um, I love and that. what's a himbo? Them. Oh, it's a male bimbo. Oh, the dumb man <laughs> yeah me too Hello, um, man. well so you had just said the america's top model so america's yeah. top model and that was like that was i remember seeing that at home as well on the tv that's yeah. like a universal uh, and then you talk a lot about that being uh, you talk a lot about that on tiktok where that's where yeah. i learned a lot like i didn't realize that um reality show people don't get a lot of money unless you kind of blow up yeah. afterwards no yeah we didn't get paid at all um i know we didn't get paid at all and then but we did get some money for food and then we all would like try and save that money that we got for food like we would try to spend less than they gave us on food um and then afterwards they keep you for a while like after you get eliminated they keep you in a hotel and they stop giving you money for food you still have to pay for your own food uh so yeah, I went home so broke. That was the brokest year of my life was after that show. Um, and what, it, what, is the, what is the benefit then of doing it? So you're, you go home broke, but is it so that you could get like a modeling contract? Do that yeah, kind of yeah. I mean, so you can get, and I did, I mean, I will say like, I'd never modeled before the show. I'd never really thought about modeling before the show. Um, except for like very briefly in eighth grade, I, I was like, maybe I should get an eating disorder and then it didn't <laughs> stick. Um, <laughs> which, uh, I consider myself very lucky, but, um, I'd never, yeah, it had never, it was never like a serious thing that I entertained. Um, so in that way, it did introduce me to modeling. Like I modeled for a long time, but it takes a while, you know, to, to like build up clients and a portfolio and like do all the things. Also, it didn't help that when I was on top model, they chopped off all my hair, which I loved and I thought it looked great. But then I went to all the agencies and they were like, come back in a year. Your hair's too short. I know. That was a bummer Um, that I did not process at the time. Like I was just like, okay. And did you say as well that they critiqued you on your weight? They did. Yeah. Although they did. And it was weird. I don't want to minimize how shitty it was. Um, but it was so much just typical of the time. Like nothing they said on the show was worse than anything people said in the industry afterwards when I went around to agencies and stuff. Like the industry is built on young women's bodies, um, which I think is easier for us to wrap our head around. Like as an idea, we're like, yes, of course, modeling built on young women's bodies. But then when you break it down into what that means for an individual, that's when you kind of see how gross it is. It is fully grown adults, um, you know, well into their emotional maturity, looking down on these, like, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old girls. And that, that's what it is like that. Nothing that happened on the show is outside of what happens in the industry. And I think like, again, I don't want to minimize it. It was shitty. And I think a lot of the things that are coming to light now show how shitty the show was, but like, yeah the whole industry is kind of flawed it just yeah um how old were you when you did that 
1819. Oh my God, you were a baby. I know, oh, I was no. a baby. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to mentally mentally do that. I just, I yeah. mean, a comment on my looks at that age would have just been like, stick with, you know, would have stuck with me yeah. forever. Oh, it totally stuck with me. I mean, it's still, I'm still unsticking it. There are a lot of things that like, yeah, because it is, yeah, it's such an influential age. It was like, this is the other thing about being a teenage girl that's like very hard to explain to people who have, who either somehow managed to escape their teenage years without, I'm talking about like a typical insecure teenage girl. Um, Like anything good that you hear is just attention and you don't like categorize it. For me anyways, this was my experience. If somebody said something good, I was like, okay, good, but it doesn't stick. I'm not like, oh, okay, I'm going to internalize that and I'm going to like hear that and carry it with me. It was just like, okay, I hear that. And that like, you know, it was like a sugar rush, like good, like compliments were just like, you eat candy and then it's through your system in five seconds. If somebody says something bad about you, yeah, that it's not that it like, it's not that it's easier to hear. It's that it's confirming what you're already telling yourself all the time. Right. If somebody says like, oh, you're too fat for that. You're like, oh no, I know I have that. That's been playing in my head, you know, like, no, it's complete. completely true yeah I think as well a lot of like and maybe women are you know in any culture told to be modest and and you kind of especially Irish culture it's like where someone is like oh my god you look great and you're like oh no this whole thing you know and it might have cost you like you know 50 euro the day before or whatever like we we very much are trained to like deflect compliments so I think you are right then the opposite we're not trained to like deflect negativity as much maybe um that's true I'd never thought about that. Yeah, my my dad's pretty good with that stuff. He's always like, you know, like uh, I remember like him being like, never take anything personal or whatever, which was very helpful. Mm. But I I don't think a lot of people um get that that get that side of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just writing that down because that's a really good point, and I'm working on a on a, a essay or an article right now that's about um like yeah top model and body image and stuff um yeah that's yeah it's true it's it's interesting I mean that's really good I feel like that is a good lesson to teach kids to like not take it personally and also just not to care so much about how you look but it's like how do we how do you teach that to kids when society is like no but that's all that matters like (laughs) my dad was really strict about that stuff I remember one time not wanting to go out in a swimsuit because uh, and everybody else was outside in there and he just like shut me mm. out of the house <laughs> like but actually well, you know it did help in hindsight because it's like his whole point was like no one's looking at you no one cares and a lot of the time when people say things um we give them more power than actually the the, the person who said it meant um and he was very much like a you shouldn't be ashamed of your body you shouldn't you no. know yeah yeah like but he would do it in like a don't be so silly <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, very, that was no, I'm his way. very gruff very irish fully. yeah yeah that was his way of doing it as an older irish man but uh yeah. i think too you know what's so interesting that let's say you were saying at the time at the time when you did it there was a huge focus on women being skinny and being light as a feather and being bony and all of this stuff and so it really made women who didn't look like that feel bad and so now we're in this world where everybody's saying like thick is good and thick is great and have a big arse and all of that and I, and I think that's great but then the opposite is you have those other bad people who before were saying 
were, who were before who were like uh, insulting women on their weight. They're now coming in on and insulting women on not having an arse or being too thin or. Yeah. So it's like so annoying because we get to this point where we're like, no, body positivity and we should be like that. But then it's like they still find a way to put other the other bodies down. And that's like very frustrating because like if you have a big arse, great. Other people, that's impossible for them to have unless they're like going to wear padded uh, yoga pants. So it's like, yeah, accepting all bodies. I did on most of my photo shoots. (laughs) Like it's being a plus size model is so weird. And it's so weird to look back because I look at photo, like I look at footage of myself from the show and I'm so fucking thin. I'm so thin. And yeah, when I saw that video where you were saying you're a plus size model, I was like, what? I don't, it didn't make any sense to me because I was like, you're not plus size to me you were like a size UK 10 which is like I know not plus size at all that's yeah. that's like an American 8 or something yeah that's, yeah that's and now I'm much thicker than that and I still don't have a fat ass so you know there's really no win <laughs> yeah my friend has a fat a ass bit. I have a little bit of ass thanks to pregnancy um, my friend has a fat ass and it's amazing and it looks and it's funny because I sent her a video of a model like a fitness model and they were like showing how she had padded pants and it was all kind of like a like they were showing the before and then the behind and like it wasn't like to insult her I think she was in on it to be like no I don't have this this isn't real yeah. this is impossible yeah. I sent it to my friend and I was like you've made this possible because she works out every single day well she's a bodybuilder model so, oh. so yeah and she was like yeah to get this arse I'm like working out every day she calorie counts she eats protein stuff and it's like yeah she was like yeah. I wouldn't have this if I wasn't like you know and she you know that's the world that she's in but like for your average Josephine <laughs> walking down the street that's an impossible ask to um yeah 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 and like my my yeah. sis- my sister is a big arse um but that's because she was a rugby player and I feel like yeah. her build is like yeah 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 she's like why are you I talking about my ass? ass sorry sister no I don't know I love a big ass I yeah <laughs> Chanel at our show last night she has a bit about how she went on a date with a guy with a big ass and, oh I uh, love that bit that's so I funny. know it's so and it's also it's so funny because it's also him being like it's because of my ass isn't it and her being like no no yeah <laughs> yeah it's so, <laughs> it's so funny because she was like afterwards she was like I think like a, a part of the joke is that it is just a joke because I'll uh yeah but when I first heard that joke, I'd seen this guy on TikTok with a massive arse. And I know that Chanel is in a relationship, but I was like, oh, maybe. not anymore. They broke up. Oh, no. Oh, really? No. Yeah. Oh, OK. I really yeah. get invested in happy couples that I see, Me but too. you never know from the outside or sometimes people just like grow each other. She's amazing. She's a yeah. Oh, but yeah. So, oh yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, I saw this guy on TikTok and I was like, oh my God, did she go on a date with this big booty guy on TikTok? <laughs> he has such a big ass. Love to see it. Yeah. I love it on um, men and women and everything in between. I don't care. I love a bit. I think it is a grass is always greener thing. So I have a very flat ass, no matter how, like I gain weight everywhere, but my ass. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Love it. Also, yeah. man, fit modeling. I would never, it's like, fit modeling is the well I guess your friend is a fitness model right so yeah it's more she does competitions so she's not like a model agency or anything but they do like these I guess I don't want to quote it wrong because it's not a beauty pageant but they do wear dresses and like uh, swimsuits to show off their their muscles or glutes or yeah I think Murray Faust and sister does that too 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's different. Fit modeling is when the designers use um, these models who are not like regular models to build their clothes around. Wow. Um, and you have to be a very specific height, a very specific measurement. Um, and you can't deviate from that at all. Like, it seems like it's so like you could be Calvin Klein's like size eight and you, you know, you have to be between like five, six and five, eight, I think. And like an, a, a true size eight. Um, and like, if you're, when you, when you're working with the designer, which can take like a long time, it can take like a couple of weeks. You can't eat any big meals. You can't like, cause you can't even deviate like a quarter of an inch. You have to be really, really careful. Um, I would be a yeah. great fit model, not just because, yeah. um, see, this feels like, okay, you don't need to do pictures. I don't, I would hate to do pictures, but I do think I would be a great fit model because I, I like how, let's say I don't, the only time I ever fluctuated for my weight was when I moved to America and I was eating really <laughs> bad food. But other than that, my IBS is is bad enough that I cannot put on weight. And I've been trying to like oh. put on. A, actually, no, never mind. I'd be a bad fit model because I actually lost weight recently. I forgot when I was at the doctor's. Uh, see, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. 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 I was like thinking I've been the see, same size. I was going to say my yeah. IBS definitely makes me fluctuate a lot because. Yeah. I don't know, you know, you have a day and you're like, well, I weigh less than I do because everything in my body is outside my body now. Yeah. I feel like my IBS is pretty much like daily, but I don't know. I got to work on that. I got to like, yeah. it's, it's my own fault. You know, where it's like, oh, I could have fixed this years ago. Um, so that's why I feel like I, I was thinking, oh, it keeps me at the same weight. But actually now that I'm saying that loud, sometimes I say things out loud and I'm like, no, that's completely wrong. What are you talking about? Um, but For some people, it might make you, you know, might mean they, that they stay the same. Just for me, it definitely means. Yeah. <laughs> Although again, another thing, pregnancy impacts digestion a ton. For most people, it makes it worse. But for a lot of people who already had really bad digestion, it makes it a lot better wow. um, because uh like your body, um, like it starts holding on to good bacteria and, um, and bad bacteria. Like it's, it's a lot easier to get like yeast infections and stuff when you're pregnant, but it also holds on to the good bacteria in your gut. Um, and so so like my digestion has been so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Truly like, and people keep asking, they're like, Oh, is it rough? Is it really hard? And I'm like, no, it's never been better. It's a freaking dream. Um, yeah. My stepmom said the happiest she was, was when she she was pregnant three times and one was with twins, but she said like the flux of hormones made her feel really good and stuff. It's been a mixed bag, but there have been positives. (laughs) She was pregnant for like four years or something. (laughs) I also, I do not know. It's so weird. Cause I, I think I do want to have more kids. I don't think I just want to have one, but now that I am this, I cannot imagine being pregnant and having a kid like truly that is heroic to me. I can't imagine like, cause there's just been times where like, I don't know, I've fallen asleep on the train because yeah. I'm so freaking tired. It's like, be, it's, I had mono a couple of years ago and it's like that it's like that tired. <laughs> How are you finding still going out and doing shows being six months pregnant? When do you think it's going to be like the cut off where you're like, I have to take a bit of time off? Well, I had to take a bit of time off in my first trimester because I had two things that like flared up. I had, I have um, I had two like health things that sort of flared up and made it. So I just couldn't, I couldn't leave the apartment. I was like semi bedridden for a little while and it sucked. Um, I like couldn't really walk for more than a block. I, um, and I was talking about this yesterday. This uh, male comedian was like, 
oh, well, yeah, but you know, pregnancy must be like way harder now than it was when I saw you last. And I was like, no, actually it's not, but thank you. I know you're such an expert in, um, in pregnancy related matters. Um, <laughs> cause it actually gets way easier. The second, everyone says the second trimester is way easier and way better. And that's definitely been true for me. So in the first trimester I had to take some breaks and it stressed me out and I hated it. And I tried to be really chill and <laughs> failed. Well, if anything, the pandemic taught us is you can take a break and then you can go back to life. Cause there's some yeah. comedians who like took the whole two years. Like I was, um, definitely like out doing all the outdoor stuff and everything, but that's just, Same. yeah, it was for my own mental health, but others needed to take the time off. They didn't do any zooms or shows and they were back out. Like, as if nothing had happened, it's not like they de, de- improved or whatever. They were still. Yeah. yeah. And also I right, but like not that far before quarantine, I had mono. And so I had to slow down a little bit then. So I think it was a more gradual, like slow, like the quarantine was a little bit more of a gradual, um, slow down for me, which I think was really good. And then also right before, um, my husband and I went to Hawaii for a comedy festival. So that was a very good, like, we didn't realize we were like, yeah, let's just go on this trip. It'll be fine. And then when we were in quarantine, we're like, I'm so glad I went on that trip. We went on that trip. Remember when we were in Hawaii, remember, and there were people and, and the beach and that was so good. So like that sort of worked out. Cause like, you know, in the fall I'd had mono and so I'd had to slow down. And then we had like some like big, nice, big sort of career highs. And then it was like, okay, now go into quarantine. Yeah. And then I did, I did do the outdoor shows and stuff, which were, I don't know. Did you, I had one really good outdoor show. Yeah, no, I love it, but um, really? yeah, only because it was so mental that mm. it definitely, I feel like for me, I had a massive improvement in the pandemic from, because uh, I I would have like anxiety and stuff and like um, nervousness a lot. That doesn't really portray, like, I don't think people would notice it out of my personality personality but uh I definitely have it and I think with comedy that was one of my big things was um yeah anything that makes me nervous that I can do and get over really helps my comedy and helps my stage presence so I feel like doing those shows where it was like there's a fucking helicopter there's a dog running up to you I went to the show and a dog just like came up on stage with me um and having to keep those people captivated and yeah. So, yeah. And then it just kept me sane as well. Cause I, yeah. I it's really kind of, when I think True. about it, it's a yeah. bit, it's a bit sad that my happiness is actually quite dependent on comedy. <laughs> Which yeah. it, Everyone's like, happiness is dependent on something. Yeah. Cause I don't do drugs and, um, I, I'm not like super motivated really to do anything else like exercise or sports or anything. So it's really the only thing that I get adrenaline adrenaline from and it gives me the most happiest. We're happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is really sad when I think about it. <laughs> no, I don't think so though. I'm happy that I found the thing I love to do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you found the thing, I think that's it. It did definitely. That is interesting. Cause now that I think about it, it did make me a better performer. Like I remember when, when I first started doing like, the outdoor shows that were like at venues and not in parks I was like oh I'm not as I thought I would be so rusty because all I've been doing are these park shows like and it wasn't at this nearly at the same volume that it was before you know like because before COVID I was going out every night and and so I was like I'm gonna be so rusty all I've been doing is park shows like a couple times a week you know and then I did zoom shows but not a lot like I was not so 
it was really nice to be like, oh, I'm not nearly as rusty as I, as I thought I would be because I think, yeah, having to shout in a park and just be like, okay, what is the funniest part of my jokes? Like, what is, what it, cause you have to say as few words as possible because you are sh- shouting. Over. 100%. And then you yeah. come back and it's like a real uh, love for indoor comedy again and the <laughs> stage. And it taught us, well, it taught me anyway, that we don't need to get up every night and that actually you're funnier, I think for me. Um, if I prioritize certain gigs and not burn myself out and yeah. who, who wants to be doing a tree or four times like yes I'll do it on the weekend because I'll get more money and that's like more right. a money thing than a but it, my goal is to be like a successful enough comedian that I'm just doing like four amazing gigs a week like I was yeah. on the west coast and we, we did like the improv punchline and then a vineyard so we did four shows one a night Um, oh and the other one was in this like truck a theater venue so we did one a yeah. night and we did 15 to 20 minutes each and then you just like lived your life during the day and I was like this is my comedy goals I just want to be able to do yeah like do this, this is yeah this is the level yeah I definitely like during uh quarantine had like a lot of sort of thoughts and plans for how I wanted things to be different afterwards and I I did also then have a little bit of like a an adjustment period and a shock where I had to come to terms with the fact that I had made changes and that meant things were different. Like, because I was like, okay, I don't want to be going out to multiple shows a night. I don't want to be doing the hang, like just hanging out at shows that I don't like with people that I don't like. I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I stopped. And then that had an impact on the number of shows I was doing. And I had to deal with like the anxiety right then, because I like, I was still the same person. I still had all the same anxieties of like, Oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And that, right. Like I had to like adjust to be like, Oh, okay. I made a change on purpose. I did this on purpose. Like I had to kind of soothe myself. And I think that happened to a lot of people in a, right. Like a lot of people were like, I'm going to make changes in whatever capacity, whether it was professional or personal or like um, whatever it was, we, we, made resolutions in in, in quarantine that yeah, then COVID we had to like deal with the effects of you know we were like oh shit my life is different now um and that is that takes some adjustment even if like I, I consider myself so lucky I really had the best possible like quarantine and COVID experience I you know the I I was so sheltered in so many ways um and so lucky but it still has an impact you know and mm-hmm. having to like yeah, just adjust and make room for that. No, of course. And I think you're right. Everybody, not not even comedians have had to kind of re- reevaluate a lot. Um, this, yeah. is a, this is a total like side uh, road, but I just want to ask you, you work for, you said at the start of this before we recorded, you work for a company called, a, a non-profit, is it called Abortion AF? Yeah, Abortion AF. So it's Abortion Access Front, but Abortion AF for short. Um, yes, uh, we used to be called Lady Parts Justice and, um, it started by Liz Winstead, who is the co-creator of The Daily Show. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she was a co-creator and head writer, um, when The Daily Show first began, um, with, uh, with Craig Kilborn and, um, and now, yeah, now she, uh, heads up this nonprofit and we raise awareness about abortion rights and also provide on the ground support to independent abortion clinics, which just means abortion clinics that aren't Planned Parenthood. Not that we don't like Planned Parenthood. We just, they just don't really need our support. No, of course. And what is exactly, because from what I know, what's going on in America, you hear, 
you know, they're trying to, in certain states, say that a, a, a doctor will get a punishment now if he gives an abortion or a woman can go to jail if she aborts her baby. Yeah, so um, there have been a lot of I laws. should say fetus as well, not baby, sorry. Yeah, fetus, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, we say fetus, but it's also, it's what, you know, um, yeah. Uh, there've been a lot of scary laws that have been coming down the pike for a long time, but they've escalated recently. And I think a lot of people became aware of them with the, um, with the Texas law, which did introduce a new component. So Texas passed a law that outlawed abortion after I hope I get this right. It'll be embarrassing if I don't um, 16 weeks. And they also passed a law um, that made it so um, any Texas citizen could sue any other Texas citizen for getting an abortion, for helping a pregnant person get an abortion or for performing an abortion. Um, they could sue. Um, so it's and, a massive element of fear. Yeah. So yeah, it just made it all very scary. And the other thing is, is that, um, you know, they, like, like I, I said earlier, like they count pregnancy from your, the date of your last period. So when I say 16 weeks pregnant, that's actually 14 weeks pregnant. That's actually 14 weeks after conception, which is actually only 12 weeks after your first missed period. So it's really just like, when you hear these numbers, it's so easy to be like, okay, what does that mean? Like, what does 16 weeks pregnant mean? It, it means you're barely pregnant is what it means. <laughs> like, I and, think, yeah. I think that is the, let me just Google it because I think mm-hmm. in Ireland, um, ha- we passed abortion, but I think it's only until yes. 16 weeks. How long? Oh, is it? Um, 16 weeks is a, a pretty common cutoff in a lot of States. Um, and so although as- they also, they tried to pass it for 12 weeks or eight weeks. I don't know. They mess around a lot. So it's sort of hard to keep it straight um oh 12 but, weeks in ireland uh you can have an abortion up to 12 weeks of pregnancy that yeah, is no more is really, than 84 days since the first day of your last period after 12 weeks yeah. it's only if it's an yeah. exceptional so what is so that's three months basically it's three months but it's really two and a half it's it's like one and a half missed period is what it is so you gotta be on the fucking ball really have to be on the ball tracking your cycle and the other thing is oh wait in in texas abortion is illegal uh once there's a once there's a fetal heartbeat oh okay yeah so that's pretty much oh as as early as six weeks so you wouldn't even know you're pregnant fetal heartbeat the other thing about a fetal heartbeat is that it's not a heart it's not a heart that's beating it's really messed up it's an electrical impulse that actually comes from the, the mother's or the pregnant person's body um and it's it's oh i could i mean i could go on forever but um but the so the texas law sucked and it did introduce this new element of like vigilante abortion justice which is like suing people who break their insane law um and it is catching on oklahoma just passed one um florida tried to pass one and i can't remember if it went through um but and i think that's bullshit and i think it's super scary but i also think that it's um sort of stealing some some attention and some spotlights from some other laws that to me personally are even more scary because the suing thing is so hard to enforce. It's so hard to make it happen. And there's so many people that are so worked up over it that I kind of don't feel like that's going to stick. What I'm worried about are places like Missouri that just passed a law saying that they're going to investigate miscarriages. Jesus. So that to me is really scary because 
that just is such a slippery slope of like, if you are investigating someone for a miscarriage, if someone didn't know they were pregnant and did drugs or drank alcohol, right? Like, you know, um, or engaged in any behavior that was considered by someone who can't get pregnant to be quote unquote risky, someone who doesn't understand what it's like to live in a body with a uterus and who doesn't understand what it's like to be pregnant. Like that to me is so much scarier. And that's the kind of thing that's just slipping. They're slipping it into other laws. They're not, you know, it's not getting the like national press that like the Texas law did. Um, So there's laws that are being passed all over the country that are really scary um, and that are really going to have, like are going to put innocent women in jail and in poverty and keep them pregnant when they don't want to be. And like, as someone who's six months pregnant and super happy about it, I cannot imagine having to do this if you didn't want to do it. A hundred percent. Like it's, I, I watched something where they were saying like women in these areas, especially young women, because they have no access to uh, plan B yeah. or um, the pill um, or uh, any form of birth control that they will use a hanger on themselves. Like that's a real thing. I yeah. That is terrifying. Or they'll take, even if you take like herbal abortions, you know, like if you take mugwort or there's a lot of herbs that cause an abortion, they can also cause a lot of bleeding and they can also cause a lot of like internal distress and they can be really dangerous. Um, They can raise your heartbeat. A lot of herbs that cause abortions do so by basically like putting your system into shock. Um, And if you're not really careful with that, you can get really sick. And the other thing is, is that Missouri just tried to make it illegal to perform an abortion when someone has an ectopic pregnancy. And an ectopic pregnancy is when the fetus implants outside of the uterus. And the only option, the only medical treatment, the only possible medical treatment to save the mother is an abortion. There is no way for that fetus to be viable. That fetus is not even a fetus. It doesn't count as a fetus because a fetus is only a fetus when it's in the uterus. So a lot of anti-abortion people get upset when we say cluster of cells, but that's a literal cluster of cells because it can't be anything else. There is no, there is no medical universe where that's going to do anything but kill the mother. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that is just, it's just, it feels malicious to me. It feels oh, yes. willfully ignorant and malicious. And women hating, you're going to choose again, a cluster of cells over yeah. an, a lived uh, human life. Um, yeah. Also as well, I think it's really important for anybody to listen to this podcast who is not based in America and who is like, I did not realize until I was in Las Vegas driving down to the Grand Canyon, like how poor some of these areas are in America. And I think as well, like with America, a lot of people will say things like about Americans or whatever. But when you look at these, these these people are living in insanely poor. They don't have the money to fly to New York to have an abortion. They don't have the money to move out of there. Uh, a lot of them probably don't even have the money for like good dental care or like health insurance. Like it's, 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 I didn't realize how insane people yeah. or even the school systems. I went on a date with a guy who was from the South and he said that he was told that um, the dinosaur bones were chicken bones and he learned this in school. So this is like insane to me. So like, of yeah. course there's like a disconnect with, 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 uh, with what's going on there. So anyway, yeah for 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 these women it's like you're taking away any option yeah when we were in when uh we were in west virginia on one of our last tours uh abortion af 
used to go on tour. We used to put on comedy shows and then we would also um, volunteer at the indie clinic and, and connect local activists with the clinic and sort of, uh, yeah, um, try and highlight um, to our audiences like, hey, this is ways that you can help out your local abortion clinic. So this was obviously pre-COVID, but we, so we were, um, we were doing some work at the uh, last abortion clinic in West Virginia. It's in the Capitol, um, which is called Charleston, which always threw me off because that's also a city in South Carolina. But so we were in Charleston and we were at the clinic and we were talking to the social worker there who does, um, she is the social worker at an abortion clinic, but she basically helps people who actually decide to have the baby. Um, and she like right after birth, like before pre and postnatal, basically social work care. And she was saying that most of her clients don't have a car. So they live in rural West Virginia. There is no public transportation and they don't have a car. Um, and so even something like running out of diapers is an emergency because to get to somewhere where there are diapers. And so she was just tired. She was just so drained and so tired because the work that she had to do. And she also, um, you know, got uh, money from the government to try and help um, pregnant women with dental care because the dental care in West Virginia, even that is available for people who have the money is so um, scarce and so rare and so hard to get to that dental health is like a real emergency within the state. Um, So any medical clinic that provides any sort of like help or counseling or help with dental care gets a lot of money. Um, And, uh, and pregnancy um, messes with your teeth because if you don't get enough calcium, the baby will leach from your teeth. Jesus. So yeah, it's really messed up. And so she had all these people, you know, who were pregnant and didn't want to be, but weren't able to get an abortion in time. And so now they were her clients and she was trying to help them through the pregnancy and trying to help them um, navigate either having the baby or giving it up for adoption and their teeth were falling out of their head. Jesus Christ yeah it is like this is like horror movie stuff it really is it's and it's and we met with some politicians there who were passing laws to make these people's lives harder and I was like how can you pretend to care like how do you do that yeah it's like sorry that's where what oh that's also where uh Joe Manchin is from that's where he represents so Oh, and and I don't know who he is. Oh, he sucks. He just, he claims to be a Democrat and he blows monkey chunks. Um, well, yeah. that's, it's like showing that they have a real lack of empathy because they can't, or just think that women aren't um, as important because it's like, yeah, yeah they're treating them like they're um, animals to a certain extent. Um, yeah. Also as well, I don't know if someone has a joke about this because I remember hearing it on stage somewhere, but I don't know who it is to quote it, but it was something like how, in these same states you're legally allowed to have a gun and shoot someone on your property but there was something like okay I can't remember I don't know if you know this person who did this joke but it was like okay I'll have the baby and then I'll just like shoot it on my property yeah. it's an intruder yeah it's an intruder yeah that's you know she's an intruder on my property right now yeah yeah, yeah it's absolutely yeah. and then like the Sarah Silverman joke where it's like okay well then all men need to stop wanking because you know the sperm mm-hmm. is alive sperm can smell Oh my God, that's gross. That's I gross. Know. I'll think I of know. that next time it touches me. Wow, are you smelling my skin? <laughs> my it back. is because it's trying to like find its way. It's like, we're lost here. Why, like, why am I on her lower back? Yeah, why am I in a mouse? That doesn't feel right. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so, RIP, pour one out. 
Um, before we finish, there was another question I wanted to. Uh, okay, so I wrote here because there was another question I wanted to ask you. I think it was just. Oh yeah. So, is there any things um, you wish you had known before you got pregnant? Like any advice to anybody who is going to get pregnant? Um, oh, <laughs> yes. Um, well, first of all, uh, anything that happens to you is going to feel like, uh, let me back up. Okay. Yes. I have two things that I wish I'd known before I was pregnant. Um, you're going to get more advice than you've ever gotten in your life. Everyone is suddenly going to have an opinion on you and your life choices and all of the things you put in your mouth. So pick two people that you trust to ask for advice. And then you can just take everything else with a grain of salt. Um, Cause it's just, it's so overwhelming. People are like, don't drink coffee. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so like, and you're also reading books and you're also reading articles and you're also Googling things. Like there's just so much information pouring in that if you can like pick t- two or three streams of it that you trust, then the rest can just be useful or not as it comes in. And then the other thing that I wish I'd known is um, anything that you're dealing with before you're pregnant is going to get amplified by the pregnancy. So I had like a hip injury that was like sort of annoying um, and it became debilitating (laughs) and it was like a huge problem. And I really had to deal with it and like go to a bunch of physical therapy and stuff. And then like I had fibroids that were like sort of annoying and they were like debilitating and super painful. And like I had to so just, I, which doesn't mean that you should just like totally be ready and you should be in the prime of your life and everything should be perfect, but just like, you know, you know, be ready to, yeah, just deal with anything that you're dealing with times two. Um, yeah. And yeah. And uh, also have a good exercise routine Okay, I'll because exercising during pregnancy is really important. And also you will have to stop for weeks at a time. And so it's a lot easier to pick back up if you have like a set routine that you can go to and trust. Um, yeah. yeah. My stepmother swam a lot during her pregnancy. Swimming is the best. It is the best because it weighs a lot. Your stomach like, wait, you know, it's like an extra, you know, right now it's like an extra two pounds of pressure all the time, which isn't yeah. that much, but it's like, Oh, swimming rules. That's why I've been on vacation a lot. I was like, we got to go somewhere with a pool. I don't care where it is. It's been friggin' amazing. Yeah. Swimming is is awesome. Um, and yeah, definitely recommend that, but yeah, I think those were the biggest things is like, just any, you know, it's a, it's a big change for your body. It's also like, just be ready for things that felt like a huge deal beforehand to suddenly feel like nothing like the vomit thing. I'm, I, I have a, a legit phobia. Like I really, it's like a, but makes me cry. Yeah. Oh, I'm a mess. It's like also crying. I used to be really weird about crying. I would get a terrible headache. Um, I would like, I felt, I, I always used to joke that I was allergic to it. Like <laughs> I would get a sinus headache for days. I would like be stressed and anxious and I'd be like, Oh my God, like someone saw me cry. It just happens now. <laughs> Yeah. I cry a lot anyway. I don't know. Ever since oh, I started yeah. dating my boyfriend, I cry a lot more. Not because he doesn't do anything. I just don't know. I don't know why. No, you're just, it's probably just that you feel safe enough in your processing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think is oh, good. You made me tea. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, it's a lot of that. My husband made me breakfast in bed on vacation and just cried. Yeah, I would cry too. It's just so nice. <laughs> it's nice. To be treated well. Well, thank I you. Love he makes your tea. Oh yeah, he does it every morning. Um, he texts Aww. me as well. Like when we're apart, he'll always text me like a good morning text, and he didn't do it today. And I was like, ah, no good morning text. So is this where it ends? And he was like, no, I just just got a plate. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, mm, okay, mm, suspicious. Um, With whom? Where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me on all the platforms. It's just my name, um, Sarah B. Hartshorn, S-A-R-A-H-B is in boy, Hartshorn, H-A-R-T-S-H-O-R-N-E. Um, yeah, follow me on TikTok if you like top model and boob talk. Yeah. And follow me on Twitter if you like deranged thoughts. And Instagram if you like pictures. I don't know, follow me on all the things. <laughs> and you have a great story now on TikTok about your husband getting weed on. So everybody should go watch that. It's so funny. Which people were upset about. People had some feelings. I mean, it is very... I, I, I get that the girl peed on him by accident. That is yeah. like a drunk thing that guys do a lot. So it's nice that she's like breaking the glass ceiling. And yeah, but what yeah. I don't get is why she hit you. I'm still kind of confused. She must have been like she sleepwalking. Th- she was sleepwalking and she thought I had walked in on her in the bathroom. <laughs> so she was trying to, which makes sense because it was kind of an open mouth pawing, but she. Oh, she was trying she to close of, the door. Yeah, but there was no door. There was just my face. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Like Leland yeah. sleepwalks, so he's done a bunch of shit that I'm like, he like argues with me in his sleep, but he would that's never argue cre- in the day. Cre- that's creepy. I know. He was so funny when we were in San Francisco. I actually forgot because I I talk on my Patreon all about like my private life and I should have said this on the Patreon but I forgot I was too busy. I was too busy giving out about stuff, but um he sleptwalked and he ra- he ra- out of the so in the hotel he ran to the door and uh, he, got, he got up and he screamed Jesus so he must have thought he was late for something so that's what woke me up and when I woke up he was running at the door but then he was like a sim you know where he's just like and then he went to the bathroom and he was just like a sim again like up against the <gasps> door and then he went to the wall and he was just up against the door and it was so funny oh, because like Blair Witch I don't like it <laughs> I was like Leland you you uh you're sleepwalking come to bed and he was like I'm not sleepwalking and I was like you're sleepwalking he was like I'm not sleepwalking and and then this at this stage, he's just walking up and back against the wall, like again, like a like a like a you know, like a PlayStation character. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, Leland, then what are you doing? And then he goes, sleepwalking things. <laughs> it was so funny. Well, at least the talking helps a lot. Like that makes I don't know why. Sleep talking doesn't freak probably because I do it. I do sleep talk, yeah. but the walking, I don't know, it always creeps me out. Yeah. Like, well, I know, I know. And like, it's fine. I've gotten really used to it. And it's like, uh, he's so great with everything else. It's like, I'll take this. Yeah. I'm like, thank oh, God no. he does something. Thank God he does something. <laughs> or else I would be like, he's cheating, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's not because you know that like, yeah, he uh, if any, if any female comedian gets a bit about their like side piece sleepwalking, yeah. he'd be like, Aha, but no, like, yeah, he doesn't mm. have he he I said this. It was so funny. There was this comedian t- said that, uh, he believes only 20% of men don't cheat, which I don't agree with. Um, I think maybe no. he just cheats a lot and is trying to justify. Um, but I was like, uh, oh, I didn't, I would never be afraid of my boyfriend cheating. And he was like, why? And I was like, oh, he's like way too introverted to cheat. And then I said <laughs> it to Leland later and he was like, that's not why I wouldn't cheat. 
<laughs> it's not because I'm shy. And I was like, oh, okay. that's so sweet. That's very tender. I love that. That's not why I wouldn't cheat. That's just also why I wouldn't cheat. Yeah, I'm like, mm, well, it's why I feel comfortable that you're not cheating. You're you know very, what? He's not yeah. very sociable. Uh, he's like sociable, but he's also like, I don't know. He's I just can't see him like putting in the effort to talk to another girl and be like, it's not him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. He, you know, he's, I think he's one of those people who's a lot like, like I, sh- I, I feel this way as well. Like I think I can be like social and talkative and stuff, but it takes a lot out of me. And then I got to go, I have to like go retreat and be by myself. Um, well, thank you so much. I better let you go and have a great meeting. Thank you. This will be out next week. I'll tag you and everything. Yeah. Again. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.